And we're live. Welcome, everybody. This is the Reality Czars podcast, and I'm your only host tonight, Nate. Uh, Tony is unfortunately late at work, so I have the pleasure of having Matt from the Great Deception podcast on. Matt, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Um, I love your show. Dude, you've been getting into some really interesting stuff lately. Uh, dude, your show's fucking great. I love Thanks, listening man. to your show. Um, I appreciate it. <laughs> Uh, do you want to tell my audience, if they're unfamiliar with you, a little bit about yourself, your show, and where they can find you? Yeah, I run uh, the Great Deception podcast, uh, which is kind of like an alternate history podcast where I, I go in and look at all different stuff. I've done, you know, the dark side of Disney. I've done my, uh, Mind Control. I've done World's Fairs, Star Forts. Uh, and I get into some current event stuff, too. Um, I, I try and stay away from that because I have another show called the Monday Night Master Debaters. And basically what I do is I get like uh, it's myself and, and Ryan Dean is kind of latched on as my co-host. I, I love it. He uh, he's been on every show and uh, we get two or three other podcasts on the show and going with no agenda. And it's just uh, the whole point of it was, you know, a I wanted to meet people. And B, I wanted to have conversations again and, and get people just in, in groups and, and be able to just have on whatever and go with it. And it's been really cool, man. I mean, there's been such a great reception to that. I get people that, you know, have, have actually come to me like, hey, can I can I hop on Monday night? And I'm like, yeah, man. I'm like, we'll, we'll get you in a slot. And, uh, and and so it's fun. You know, we just go and talk and uh, had a lot of cool people, met a lot of cool people um connected a lot of cool people you know that's the other part of it is is networking and getting you know people to know people and i try to go you know with people that have podcasts some people that don't um some that are outside the conspiracy realm too uh just to get all sorts of different voices because you know as shitty as things are right now the only way we're really going to get it any sort of fixed is if the sides can talk we get past the red blue and we just get back to having discussions and get the emotion out of it. So, and that's why I started a podcast. You know, I, I, I was getting frustrated by the lockdown and, you know, I had shit to say and I didn't feel like anybody was listening and I didn't think anybody would listen anyway when I actually recorded it and put it out there, but, uh, but a few people listened. So it, it's, it's been fun. Well, cool, man. I mean, I can tell that you put a lot of work into your show and that you've been doing some great fucking research, dude. I've really been liking some of the topics that you've been talking about. Like, uh, I thought it was super fascinating. You were talking about um, what was uh, they were called Move. Is that the is that the name of them? Yeah. In Philadelphia. Yeah. Yep. Man, they sounded like such a fascinating group. I love the different, like, I'm an anarchist myself, and I like to study the different, like, uh, different philosophies of anarchy and the different, like, you know, whatever they are, different groups. And, like, the anarcho-primitivists are always, like, they're an interesting group of cats, man. I mean, so much of it sometimes is pretty anti-human because they want to, like, some of the anarcho-primitivists, they really would just want to take us down to, like, nothing. Like, if, you know, which is fascinating, like, there's aspects of Ted Kaczynski that I love a lot, actually, too. He's a fucking fascinating guy. But that whole move group sounded so interesting. And um, are they still around? Is there a group of them? Not really anymore. Um, I mean, it's still you can still find the group, but it's not what it was back then. You know, even even. Um, oh, shoot. I can't remember the woman's name right now offhand. But uh, the female Africa, she. Uh, is just basically going around 
trying to get people to understand what was done to them. Because for those of you that haven't heard it, in, in Philadelphia in 1985, there was this group who was, you know, anarchists. And they basically set off like a, a housing complex and they blocked it off and they were running it. They didn't want any government intervention or anything like that. And uh, the cops didn't like it and and went in and tried to serve a search warrant, got nowhere. Uh, gun, short gun battle ensued, and then the police decided to drop a uh, some C4 from a helicopter onto a residential building full of women and children. Yeah. Yeah, they don't like it when you question their authority and or uh, try to establish something of your own. You know, and you can you can see the difference between the way they were treated and the way that uh, that group of Chaz Chop, you know what I'm talking about in Seattle yeah, or Waco. You know, yeah. I mean, you look at all these things or Ruby Ridge and all these different examples of and then that's what I'm kind of on right now. I'm on a, uh, a government tyranny kick where I'm just kind of calling out some blatant instances of governments overstepping their bounds and killing American civilians, you know, and it, people are like, oh, you know, it doesn't it, it happens once. Well. No, it happened a lot more than you think, but they're not going to still happens today. Yeah. yeah. So I'm finding yeah. out like, I didn't even know about the move bombing until uh, I heard I can't remember what his name is, but he was on uh, Conspiracy or Just a Coincidence with Jack Allen. And he was talking about it. And I'm like, what is this? And and so I started looking. I'm like, wow, this is amazing. And then, uh, you know, I was looking into the, the Black Wall Street, which is another one in the 1920s yeah. where, you know, there was a quote unquote riot and it was basically white versus black. And, and the government was on the white side and they brought in the National Guard and just torched an entire neighborhood, the wealthiest black neighborhood in America at the time. And uh, you just see it repeatedly. And it's been it's happened since the inception of this country. So I just want people to really just not blindly trust your government, because as much as they point the finger at everybody else being a terrorist, in reality, they're the number one terrorist in the world. 100 percent, man. Every single time. Yeah. All. And I mean, it also comes back to like every single terrorist plot that I that you see nowadays, man. I, I see them as like false flags and just like just you know, or just government manipulated poor saps that were talked into this shit, you know. And it's it's funny how all these things that happen usually end up benefiting one side. Yeah. Right. They, 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 the power never goes back. It never happens to benefit the people. It always seems to benefit the government when these things happen. It's like amazing how that happens. And the answer is always more legislation. Right. I mean, that's their solution. Everything. Ah, just let's just make and, and as you can see, if you go back in the history, that the problem with where we are, where we are, is because of legislation. We've given them too much power. We've expected them to take care of us and, and do the right thing. And they, they haven't done the right thing from day one. Yeah, we let them when they cause this big hullabaloo. And, it, and it's really it, it goes back to like the schooling and how they've like manipulated us like since we were born. And so we just we are taught this history that government is great, that government has always been there and been beneficial and been there to try to help us. And and uh, it's just it's it allows their tyranny, you know, like we put our kids in their indoctrination camps and then we are shocked when they come out. You know, there's that quote, you know, you you let your kids be raised by Romans and you you're shocked when they come back Roman, you know, and it's it's really, you know, it's if you in this day and age, man, if you got your kid in a, in a public school, uh, good luck. 
You know, we, we see what they allow now in public schools, dude. And it's just it's gotten so much worse. And, I, you know, and I think that was really telling, too, is like when this lockdown happened and uh, all of these kids were forced to, you know, do uh, online education and things like that. Parents started listening to some of the things that their kids were being taught and the government freaked out. And they're like they started trying to pass things and saying, like, you're not you're not allowed to listen. Yep. You're not allowed to <laughs> hear what we're telling your kids. And if that's not a red flag, I don't know what is, dude. Oh, it's amazing. I mean, the fact that the government has the balls to say, listen, it's none of your business what we do with your child. And you you cannot come in here and, and, and tell us what to do with your child. Get at it. First of all, it's my taxpayer money that's going to, to fund you. And then on top of it, it's my kid. So if you think I'm ever going to cede the power of my child to the state, you're out of your mind. And anybody that, that thinks that that's okay and that, that any school system that objects to you going in and looking out for the best interests of your, your child, you need to think twice about that and make a change. Because yeah, man. It's, it's always done, too, in a way where they're trying to, like, to they, tr- they say they're trying to do something to help you right so we're here to help right that's yeah, the ronald reagan thing the biggest fear is when the government says we're here to help or anyone yeah 100 percent, man yeah it's just and it's just been an attack on our sovereignty on our sovereign sovereignty i need to slow down when i talk <laughs> and uh yeah man and and like you said it's my kid but the government doesn't see it that way, you know. No, we're government- <laughs> well. That's a whole different story. I mean, we can go, we can go down that rabbit hole too with the whole birth certificate, mm-hmm. and, you know, the the whole idea, the social of- security number. What does a baby need a social security number for? Yeah, the same reason it needs a happy <laughs> shot. You know, yeah. it, it doesn't. You know, but, yeah. and that's that's what it is. I mean, it, when you are born and when you are registered with the state. You are now a, there is a dead entity created of you that carries your name and yep. throughout your whole life. Now you, and what is done with that is that number, your uh, social security or birth certificate number is traded on the stock market. Yeah. Yeah. That's the craziest thing, man. And I was talking to my friend, uh, I think, you know, him, Chud X. Oh, I love yes, Chud X. I love him, man. Great guy. Um, when I had him on, he was talking about like, cause he even did a home birth with his wife and the nurse like insisted on poking the baby's foot and taking a drop of blood. And she was saying that like, absolutely every baby in America has had their, their, I mean, I don't know since starting when, but like that they have like, that Washington has a database of a drop of all of our baby's blood. And what do you need that for? Right. What good reason do you have that you need to have my child's blood? I mean, it's just, and it makes you think though, because we've been trained to think that this is acceptable, right? This is just the way things are. It's the way things have been done. And if you look, they've managed to do this in about three to four generations. Yeah. It's relatively new. They've done, they started around it. Basically, the 1850s. If you want to look where we are now, the re- last reset, when people talk about great resets, you got to look around the 1850s. This and, is exactly uh, what I want to talk about, man. Yeah. yeah. This is go, so fascinating. The occulting of our history. Yeah, yeah. And the rewriting of what it means to be, well, an American or just a sovereign human being. And the, uh, the entire history. Yeah. And that's the crazy thing, Nate. It's, it's not just American history. 
it's the world. If you look across yeah. the world around 1850, when they brought in the industrial revolution, it's like they flicked a switch and everything pre 1850 was just erased. And all of a sudden now 1850 on, we're going to, we're going to re teach you people. You need to relearn what it means to be here. And, and they did it in many different ways, which, you know, it, it's brilliant. It's an evil genius plan. Right. You got to give them credit because it was well calculated and well played out and it worked. But what they did was just, you know, they put these fronts out there. Okay. And one of them, one of my favorite ones is the World's Fairs. Mm -hmm. So you look at the World's Fair and, and basically what these things were, and anyone that's not familiar with them, uh, I've done a couple full episodes. I did one episode just on Chicago in 1893 and then a couple others. And what they would do is every year there was a world fair. And what it was, it was kind of, if you think of the Olympics, right? These cities would want to host this fair because people from all over the globe would get there. Now, mind you, this is 1850. So we're not talking about airplanes. They're traveling on boats. Uh, it's not an easy travel wherever you're going. So, but some of these fairs, like we will look at Chicago. Okay. Cause that's my favorite one, Chicago in 1893. Supposedly, it's a swampland. 700 acres, they landscape, they clear it out, they make it suitable for buildings like the ones in the background here behind me. Okay, we're not talking about these little shanty huts. They built set uh, uh, over 200 buildings like the ones behind me, most of them, in under two years. Okay. And, and it's, it blows your mind. Just the, the construction aspect of it, you look at it, you're like, how? It just doesn't make any sense. We're talking pre power tools. Dude, behind my house, it's taken them longer than like four years to build this new like apartment complex. <laughs> this, like, it's, yeah, it's just wild. I mean, it just doesn't, and, and, and it's not just Chicago. You go around, you look at Buffalo in 1901, you'll see the same thing. You go to St. Louis in 1904, you go to San Francisco. Um, you go to Paris, you go to London, it's just, and, and the architecture is amazing and it varies slightly. You get some Gothic, you get some, uh, Greco Roman, you'll get, you'll get a variety of architecture, but what it is, is, is this amazing architecture that just all of a sudden pops up out of nowhere is what we're told. And they, and what we're told about these buildings behind me is that they are made of wood and stucco. OK, so that these these buildings now, mind you, Chicago in 1893 had th these fairs only were open usually for about six months. You know, it's not like a long running thing. It's it's a short seasonal thing. And then it would move on every now and then a fair would be brought back the next year as well. But usually it bounced around and it would go from there. There might be one in America and one in Europe, but it was mainly American and Europe, European cities. But this one in Chicago in 1893 drew 27 million people in a six month time span time frame. Again, just That's think about insane, that number man. in your head. Yeah. That, a, they have to accommodate all these people, right? They have to have food, shelter. I mean, I'm I live in the Portland area, and I think the greater Greater Portland metro area altogether has like two million people. So to think of 27 million people is 
Well, in Chicago at the time, that. only yeah, Chicago at the time only had three million people. Yeah, that's so crazy. You're not, you, you, it's just these astronomical numbers. And then the craziest part about it is they bring these 26 over, they burn it down. Okay. Sorry about that. I think I lost it for half a second. Yeah. Yeah. So no, what I was saying okay, sorry. Is, is the crazy <laughs> thing at the end of the fair, they they burn it down. They They set these buildings on fire and... That's the end of it. They save, and what they do with these fairs, they save like one building, and they say one of them was built for permanent purposes. And it's just a, it's a bizarre, bizarre story. Now, if you want my two cents on what these fairs are, essentially they're indoctrination camps. What they're yeah. doing is they're bringing in the peop these people, and then they're coming to Chicago they're, they're getting educated, indoctrinated on what they want them to learn. Okay. Some of these people carried around little notebooks and there were questions and things you had to fill out and, and stamps you wanted to get in your book and things like that. And so they would indoctrinate these people and then they would send them to these sparsely populated towns and begin populating with these newly uh, well-trained folks. Now, anyone that didn't go along with this new way of thinking, what pops up around this time frame? Insane asylums. Yeah. So it's almost like they took all the people like us that are speaking out that won't just go along and take the jab, you know, those, those type of people. And well, you're going into a, an insane asylum. And if you can't be reprogrammed, well, you're just going to rot in here and we'll do all sorts of cool experiments on you and see what we can, you know, kind of Nazi 100%. Germany stuff to you. And do that's you know when they there. started doing uh, lobotomies. Do you know oh, in, uh, around that? Because that would be a good way to get rid of a lot of people. They really I, I, <laughs> that was a little later on these poor yeah. people. I mean, some of the stuff that it, it, it's disgusting. I mean, it's yeah. not it's Nazi esque. I mean, the experiments they were doing on these mentally, some of them were severely mentally ill. You know, you had mentally handicapped people. But then there was other people who were just normal people who wouldn't go along with the with the order. And then now you have because you have this. You know, also, we're told there's some wars and some, you know, what you see a lot during in this 1800s is a lot of devastation, destruction, whether it's natural disasters, famines, illnesses, wars. Now you start ha having all these orphans pop up out of nowhere and these things called orphan trains where um, supposedly the kids were brought from a combination of Europe and the East coast. And what they would do is they would put these kids on a train and ship them out to the Midwest. And much like we were talking about before with the world's fair, the, they would go. And, you know, if a farmer needed a, a kid, boom, they would go pick up one of the orphans and bring them to the farm. And, you know, people would just go and buy orphans and bring them home with them. Um, and, it's it's just mind-boggling. And the ones that weren't picked up were put into orphanages, which essentially is kind of, you know, this home where they'll able to do whatever they want with you. They can sell you or move you to whoever they want. You have no guardians at that point. So there's a lot of trafficking going on. Um, 
and a lot of things like that. So you see this very tumultuous time in the late 1800s where they're resetting things almost. You, you see these, you know, just, well, and, and what are you seeing here in the U.S. as well? You're seeing the migration west, right? You're seeing the expansion west and, and the gold rushes in the 1850s. Um, so you see that rush out there to San Francisco, out to uh, California. And there's a whole lot of things, you know, you, you hear about like the Oregon Trail, right? All these people making the trek west. Well, what was out there? You know, we don't know. Was there stuff out there? Were these people going to known destinations? Because you look at pictures of California in the 1800s. And for something that was around five or 10 years, there's buildings like what you see in the background here. And there's yeah. no explanation. And and what that they say with a lot of these buildings is, again, I love word magic. They say they were founded. Well, what's founded mean? Found dead, right? They were just found. They were yeah. empty. They were vacated from whatever, you know, wiped out the last realm. Dude, that's super fascinating. Yeah, there's so much there. I mean, I, I think about that, too, is like um as because i have fantasies about living back then because it was a lot more freer like that would have been like an interesting time to be alive because you could literally just pack up and move like two states over and just start over and no one like you just change your name yeah you're just on bob no debt nobody like, knows who you are <laughs> yep and that's why i got these these shirts i made make the old world great again man if i could go back so like the, between, you know, 1850s and early 1900s, I'm in. And, and so, yeah, I mean, there was that there was that aspect of it, which is really cool. But at the same time, someone could make you disappear and you could just disappear. Like and that. that's so fascinating, too, because, I mean, if people don't realize that this wasn't even that long ago. I mean, I can tell you, like, as far as like putting people in asylums and things like my mom was born in 1950. And so when she was like a teenager, I think it would have been like 1965. Uh, she got pregnant with my brother and uh, dude, her dad was, if she didn't give, she had to give up uh, my brother for adoption. We found him later on, but if she hadn't, he was going to put her in, in an asylum and then have the baby just given out anyways. Right. Yep. And so you could just do that. If your teenager was acting up, you'd be like, he's crazy. Take him. And well, they could and, just do yeah. that. And that was just the thing. Is, think, think about, I mean, a lot of people, when you ask, you, you try thinking back that many generations of your own family. I've talked to a few people after doing the, uh, the show talking about orphan trains and stuff. They're like, yeah, my grandfather came over from Germany on a train. He might be, you know, and they're like, and they start thinking, they're like, holy shit, like, I don't have this long family lineage. Like, in the 1800s, all of a sudden, like, one of my grandparents ended up here, and, and one was from Europe, and then they ended up here somehow with their, and it's it's all these bizarre stories, and it's almost as if. Yeah, it's you know, both sides of my family as well, man. I, because I, I, I tried to look up my last name, Chavoya. Uh, I tried to look it up, and like, the first time you can find anything was in Mexico, but it was around like that 1850-ish. That's the first time I can see any record of it yep. and of any of my family. And then on my mother's side, she had, uh, there was two, uh, there was a husband and wife. They came here uh, from Spain. And as soon as they got here, I think they, they must've got here around uh, like 
I don't know, like 1810 or sorry, like 1910 or something like that. They both died of the Spanish flu, like not shortly after they got here. And then um, so I don't know when that was. But and then my grandma and all of her all of her brothers and things like that were all orphans. Mm-hmm. And they were just orphans out here and they, they got passed around from different orphanages and then they got put on farms to go to work and different things like that. And, and that just- story is more common than we think, right? We're taught, we're taught this American history and, and, and this, you know, American dream when in reality, the beginning of this country was a real nightmare. When you look yeah. at it, what they did to people to get what they wanted and and well, think about manifest das- uh, manifest destiny, right? That just that concept. We're owed this. This is our destiny. We are going to go from sea to shining sea. And they make like patriotic songs about it that little kids sing, yep. you know, and and what does that mean? It means that we're going to go west and we're going to kill every single person in our way if they don't comply. And this is ours now. Yep, that's what that that cute little song from Sea to Shining Sea is about. You're like, oh, you know, <laughs> yeah, right. And that's what it, you laugh because that's what they do, though. They make yeah. these little jingles, or they make a cartoon character, or they flip it. Right, everything is inverted, and that's one thing that you know. With my my podcast, I try and get across is that you have to question everything, right? You have to look at everything, look at it as it's presented. Then flip it upside down and look at it from the opposite perspective, because then you're going to when you see both sides of it. Now you're going to start seeing a clearer picture because the truth is probably somewhere in between the two extremes. And that's how you have to approach everything now. I mean, because I listen to a lot of these, you know, researchers and what they're doing is you're just going on other podcasts and regurgitating what they they've heard. They're not doing any research. They're not going and reading any text. They're not going, you know, to the library and looking up stuff. So it's like, how do you know if it's real? Because what I do is I'll tell people, I don't know shit. I don't know anything. I've read some stuff. I I have some thoughts. I have some beliefs, but I don't know much because I haven't seen it myself. So I can't verify it. And until and, and these people that are willing to die on these hills for things that they don't know in reality, they've never touched, it's never affected them. It makes me laugh because they're just they're doing exactly what they want you to do. Yeah, I mean, anyone that thinks that they know something, you know, you can kind of tell that you can't take this person very seriously. You yeah, know? they're either lying or they're full of shit. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's to me, it's the most tragic thing because I was the biggest fucking history nerd. Like that was the only, I mean, really I do okay in math. I could do, you know, I liked reading and writing or whatever, but like the only time that I'd really pay attention in class was history class. And I fucking loved it, dude. And I love the concept of like ancient history and wars and different, like, you know, things that happened. And then you just realize that it's all bullshit. Yep. Well, and, and that's, what's funny. Tragic. I, I laugh. I got a nine-year-old and he's in elementary school. And so I, I follow what he learns at school clo- very closely to the point where he's, I've gotten a few emails from the teacher saying, Hey, can you please cut back on what you're telling your son? Because he's causing a little distraction in class. Cause I'll tell him that like, you know, we were going, he was going over the statue of Liberty. And I'm, so I gave him some real facts on the statue of Liberty and some of the things with her and, just things like that. And, and, and so now he's into history, which is kind of cool 
because uh, you know he'll he'll he started researching like mythical character Greek mythology is his thing right now. He's into the the all the myths and the different characters, and and then I showed him. I'm like, hey, you like uh, Marvel or X Men, right? I'm like, well, look, these are the same characters. They're just in a different form, and he's like oh and it opened his eyes now he's all into this stuff and it's really cool you know because not many people are into history man dude that's such a fascinating concept i wonder if like however many thousands or hundreds of years from now they're going to be talking about american mythology and it's going to be all about our marvel characters and yeah there is a spider-man and spider-man <laughs> and that's yeah. what it is right that's all it's their way of telling a story and and the you know the the they just rip off the the previous power and take the story and twist it a little bit. And that's yeah. all of our stories are based on a handful of myths for the most part. It's just yeah, I've, I've heard that, that there's like only 15 stories or something like that. And they're yeah, all just so there's retold. Some limited and, number. Yeah. yeah. And, and the rest is just a manipulation of it because there's only so many plot lines. Right. And that's, that's what I've heard somebody say on a, po a podcast once there's only a, there's a finite number of plot lines in a movie or storylines. And it's just yeah. what, how you branch off of that. And that's what we've been taught, right? I mean, this is his story. It's not our yeah. story. It's their version of what they want us to learn. I mean, that is really fascinating. My mom started thinking that she was like time traveling and shit. Cause like we'd watch a new movie together and she'd be like, I've seen this movie. Okay, this is going to happen. Now this is going to happen. And it, she was having like a real like Mandela effect moment. But really, I mean, I just think that it's that all of these stories, there's nothing original. And <laughs> they just are redoing it. You know, it's well, that like, goes back to the now I've got this cute actor doing it, you know? Yeah. Right. Well, that's have you heard of the Akashic Records? Yeah. Right. And that's what that basically says is that there is nothing new. Everything that is being done now has been done or will be done has already been done before so yeah. and i believe that i i think we are you know i i don't like to label what we're in but like it feels more and more like a simulation every day i've been playing with that concept a lot actually um i actually had a pretty interesting conversation with a dude uh davy wavy uh oh, that's from my buddy Redfield cartel yeah i, I like that guy Davey. a lot uh, really good dude. And we were talking about the, the, the whole concept of like star seeds and different things like that. And just that maybe that we are beings from maybe somewhere else and that whatever this is right now. So, I mean, that kind of dips into Gnosticism a little bit that like we, this might be some form of like prison planet, but like, I was also talking to, uh, why is my brain not working today? <laughs> Chris Matthew, uh, from forbidden knowledge news. And we were talking about this concept that like, this is, and you know, I, none of this is original, like nothing's original anyways, but just the idea that, that, you know, I mean, this is kindergarten for like, we are in our like larval stage right now. And that, so maybe this is like a giant simulation, uh, but this is all, this is school right now. And so like all the different obstacles that are put in our way are kind of, I mean, they, maybe none of them are real. Like uh, people like Klaus Schwab or like Bill Gates, it's all just manufactured and that like our whole, like we are, you know, our goal is to overcome this. And even if, even if like, God forbid they come to like kill us or something like that. But um, I don't know. All of that stuff is fascinating, man. I, it, like this could be just a giant simulation and for us to learn. And so, um yeah, and what kind of makes me think that there's two things. One, we're we're definite energy, 
right? And yeah. um, one of the laws is the energy can't be created or destroyed, right? So no matter whether we're alive or dead, our energy continues on. And 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 so from that standpoint, when I look at that, then I, I start thinking, I'm like, wow, if we're just energy, you know, we're just recycling, right? You're going in and, and this is just the form I'm in right now. I got a meat suit today. You know, yeah. next trip, I may show up in a gorilla suit, you know, or, or whatever, or I may come back in another meat suit and I may have to do the meat suit thing multiple times until I get it down. And then when I get it down, okay, then I can move on. And I really, I really I'm starting to lean on that because um, I was on uh, the Upstate Unconventional podcast with my buddy Nico. And I, I've never really talked about paranormal before, but one of the things that I've had in my lifetime, I've had recurring dreams or nightmares everyone and i'm a world war one trench soldier that's and, fascinating and yeah. i've had the same type of dream you know i can I, and i wake up and i still smell it like i can i can feel the like dampness of it and and i'm still there when i wake up and i've had a few times when i woke up in a cold sweat from it so i feel like that's almost like a past life you know that yeah. that's just popping in while i'm in that state that's so fascinating, man. I mean, for me, my entire life, I've had something similar. It was pre-World War One, though. I've had these, like, dreams of, like, just being an ancient fucking battle, like, wielding axes and fucking swords. And it's real as shit. It's like Game of Thrones on steroids. Since I was a little, like, fucking two years old, I would have these, like, memories of these dreams of just being in battle and just gore and killing and awful. I mean, I enjoyed them. I like, cause you know, it felt like a video game <laughs> dream, you know? Uh, and you know, Emmanuel Kingman has a really interesting, uh, thought about that. He actually thinks that it's like, um, like, like, uh, like genetic trauma from, he actually thinks that it's from our ancestors. So it's like ancestral trauma that we're like remembering because like some of this is in our DNA and that we're remembering memories from our past, from our ancestors and things like that. And so he doesn't think that we come back and I'm open to either, but I think that's also fascinating. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah. Because either way, whatever you're carrying is being passed on through your genes. Yeah. Right? 100%. So whether, whether it's you physically moving on or your energy moving on, it, you're going there one way or another. And that's, such and a you are a piece of your ancestor. And so it is kind of like you are coming back. You know, it's that is a fascinating concept that like if you have a child, you're not dying. A piece no. of you is living on, which is so fascinating. I don't yeah, know what I don't to know. think of that because I'm like, I'm, I'm like, man, I've always debated it. Right. Is is this is this just a one and done or is this, you know, I get I get reruns of this. If I screw it up this time around. All right. I learned my lesson. I come back next time and I have that in the memory bank, you know. I don't know. I, I just, it's one of those things that I love to throw around. It's one of those brain teasers. And I, I like to ask it to certain people. And if you get that, you know, that fluoride stare back, you know, okay. It's yeah. Leave this conversation. See, and that's the other concept too. So if theoretically, if we're star seeds or if we are from something else, like you could even say a different realm, right. And we come down here to learn uh, because maybe that's all being a star seed is maybe you're not like living on Jupiter. Maybe we are all just in this like waiting room, right. Something where we come down. Um, how many of these people that we interact with are like really that NPC meme, 
Like how many of these people are just an algorithm? How many of them are just obstacles? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, they could literally just be obstacles or like uh, things that we're supposed to overcome. We're supposed to interact with or supposed to learn something from. And we are like spending time arguing with these people online when really it's a bot. You know, these people that you work with, these people that have their triple MAGA jabs and have the Ukrainian flag on their profile and just do whatever, you know, and like you said, the fluoride stare. And you're like, this isn't even a real person. This is literally just a computer. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know, man. But there's you're seeing it more and more. And one of the things that's interesting when you say that about the bots, I'm like, you know, one of the things I've noticed a lot is depending on what type of mindset. You know, I guess some people would say what kind of frequency you're in, right? Some people like to say that that if you vibe high or or you're in a low vibe frequency, you tend to attract those type of people. Well, if you're thinking about it from a bot perspective, yeah, they're going to be drawn to whatever they, you know, are feeling. So if you're in that low vibe and you're going to draw those low vibe bots, if you're in the high vibe, you're going to draw those high vibe bots and, that makes things seem a lot more realistic that way to explain yeah. at least what's going on out there. Yeah, I can't because explain. so much is so much of your reality is just a reflection of you. Like you yeah. make your reality. And I do find that interesting uh, because we I've been kind of exploring the concept. And of course, I mean, I kind of believe in these things like like an interdimensional being, whether you want to call that like an angel or a demon or an alien or Bigfoot or whatever these things are that ghosts, spirits, like your spirit guide, all of these different things that we commune with or whatever they are. And um, I do sometimes wonder, um, and I actually, we just had Chris Matthew on, I think we're putting out the episode tomorrow, but we were kind of exploring this idea of these interdimensional beings. And um, maybe when you contact these, this being, like whether you're on like ayahuasca or deep meditation, you know, some sort of, and they could be just literally a reflection of yourself. And that's what you that's what you find. I mean, because so many people think that we're actually shooting to another realm and we kind of are, but maybe it's still inside of our head, you know, and it's still these beings that we're talking to are a reflection of us because like he was talking about, Chris was talking about like, uh, unless like, as far as alien abductions go, right. He says, unless you're being like taken by like one of these government, like kind of things, uh, for the most part, they've all been like really positive interactions that people have had like fantastic interactions like these, like they've been given knowledge that they need like advice and things that they need. And I'm like, maybe that's you, maybe that's your subconscious talking to you. Like, I don't want to take away uh, from someone that has had an experience. I don't want to say that it's all fake, but I just an idea that I play with. Right. And that, and so then the funnier part is like, when you think about these elitists that are communing with these like interdimensional beings, that's also a reflection of themselves. Right. So when Hillary Clinton just sucks a baby's blood and like does some weird ritual or something, and she starts communing with interdimensional beings, like that's why she's like, maybe that's why those like psychopaths are like given a completely different set of like instructions or, you know, different things like that, because they're, it's a reflection of themselves and wanting to consolidate power and to be these evil, sick fucks. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. They're bringing in the dark, right? Yeah. And that's because they're bringing the dark because they are. Yeah. I, I I can't disagree with it, right? I mean, I really I really feel that it, 
it has a lot to do with things, you know, because if you think about it, one way I like to look at it is you, you brought up Klaus Schwab before, and there's a lot of my normal people that I associate with that I ask them who Klaus Schwab is. And they're like, I don't know. And it's like, <laughs> so in, in their world, he doesn't even exist. So it made, yeah. it made me think at one point, well, is it us conjuring him up? Yeah. Uh, do we keep him alive by keeping him out there as the boogeyman? Right. If we paid no attention to him, would he just go away? But since we have to counter him and call him out all the time, do we give him the unnecessary energy to prop him up to keep him relevant? I, I yeah. always wonder that because in other people's world, he doesn't even exist. Yeah. Well, and. I don't want to say that about your friends, but maybe they don't exist. And that's why. Oh, they're not my friends. Just, <laughs> okay. I, don't, I don't have friends, dude. They're all friends, parents of my son's friends and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, if they are just playing their role, you know, they're just, I mean, I find that fascinating too. Cause I, I think about the concept of like, if you think about the matrix and how the agents can just like shoot into any of those NPCs, right. You know how they go so like that. And I find that fascinating too. Like when you get like an angry, crazy feminist with crazy blue hairs and she's ready to attack you and like, what happened? There was a switch and you, you get those eyes and stuff. And I'm like, that's whatever the darkness is just shot yes. into that person. Yeah. It's almost like a possession, you know, I mean, yeah. it's you, cause you can't, you can't talk rationally to those people. They're in an emotional state that they, they're just seeing red, they're hearing sirens, you know, whatever you say is just, the devil's words coming to them. So I don't know, man, it's, it's like we live in two different worlds. You know, there's, there, there's these insane people that all went with the narrative and still believe and trust the government and everything. And then there's those who have seen that, wait, what's going on the last couple of years is some serious fuckery. And they're like, I gotta, I, I can't stand with this anymore. And so there's these two realities that are going on now, and it's almost a battle for which way are we going to go? Because you can't stay in limbo for too long. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Something that Chris brought up that actually gave me a little bit of peace was thinking, have you ever heard of Project Looking Glass? Are you familiar with that? Yes. Yeah, that concept where they so I mean, maybe you could explain it to me better. Because like they built some sort of machine that they could see into the future, like it like goes in between like dimensions sort of thing. And but something that he said about it was that they looked into it and they said that every single time they lost every time that they would try like a new thing their whatever their big scheme was to take over the world, it would fall apart. And I, I was like man, that's so cool. I really hope that's true because I do think that humanity will win. I think that we will win. Uh, I think that we got some, probably some really rough waters ahead of us though. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree. I think, I, I mean, obviously I think that the short term it's going to get pretty, pretty ugly, but I think that, I mean, think about it. It's called growing pains for a reason. Yeah. Like in order, in order to, to progress, and when you reach rock bottom, the only way up, it's going to suck. You got to fight through. It's going to get tough. But what if this but, is a game that we're designed to not lose, though? Like we're supposed to win. Oh, I don't uh, think I, there's any way we can lose. Yeah, right? I, I think, think that like you can lose Yeah, in general, I think. Yeah, I think the individual can definitely because this in this realm, you can make this hell. 
Mm-hmm. You can make your your perception and everything around you. You can make a personal hell by the decisions and the terrible things and the people you choose to be around with. But you can also make this place heaven. Yep. Right. And so maybe those are the folks that maybe they're just learning the lessons the hard way. And so they're going to just bound to be back almost infinite amount of times before they uh, pull their head out. Yeah, because it's lessons learned, right? And that's that's what this is about. It's about live and learn. It's about experience. And and some people don't experience. So they're stuck in that hamster wheel. And they don't even get a chance to get out of it. Whereas if you can... Yeah, that's true. You know, they they just go and that's it. That's their life. They're going to spend it in the wheel until they keel over and die. And that's that's their whole livelihood. Well, I think about myself in like, in like, it almost in like... In a different situation, I would have been one of them, you know, mm-hmm. like because I, I definitely I started like on the left. I was a burning bro. I was like a fucking I wasn't a, I was cringy, but I wasn't quite an SJW. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, it was it was pretty bad. And it was just like a circumstance of, of you know, just different things and uh, coincidences or maybe it wasn't coincidence that brought me to where I am. You know, and I, I do like I do. I loved drugs. I was like getting strung out when I was a young man. Like when I was 16, I was like really, really on meth, dude. I loved it. Like I was mm-hmm. and I, I just think of all these different things that if I hadn't done what I had done and I hadn't had my son really early, I had my like my son really early. Um, I could have easily been one of those guys stuck on the hamster wheel forever. But you're not. Yeah, you know, and that's, yeah, and that I've heard. There's so many people that say, you know, if this didn't happen, but it did, right? But it and did it happened for you, and you learned the lesson, and you moved forward. You know, and that's the thing. People, people think, ah, oh, you know, I'm just here by shit luck. No, you're there by the decisions that you made, right? And and we all do. But we, what do we want to do? We don't want to take ownership for it. It's easier to pass the buck and say, ah, oh, you know, my luck just sucks, or you know, yeah. it's someone else's fault. But we all play a role in it, you know, and I, I, I'm guilty of it too. I mean, I, I'm as guilty as anybody. And I, you know, I got, I got divorced in 2020 and for like the first couple months afterwards, it was all her fault, you know, yeah. Like, yeah, it's all her fault. Yeah. She did this, she did that. And then finally I got to a point, I'm like, yeah, she did a lot of shitty stuff, but there were signs and you could have tried to make it work too. And you kind of folded up your tent and packed in your bags too. So whatever. Yeah. You know, yeah. don't blame it on anybody else. And then when I did that, I was like, man, I that whole thing left like that guilt, that that shame. It's like, OK, cool. It's not it is what it is. Move on. Yeah, absolutely, man. It, and if you dwell in those things and you just keep blaming and keep pushing, like all you're going to do is just entrap yourself. You know, it's just. Yep. And then you get stuck in this cycle of just. ugh. Oh, it's miserable, you know, and that's why I want to go back to the 1800s, man. I want to get out of here. I want to go and see what they had and, you know, whether it was electric vehicles or, you know, airships, whatever they're moving around in. I want to I want to get in that and just get away from this nonsense and see if maybe I can be like, uh, you know, like Michael J. Fox and Back to the Future or something, but actually go back and change something. I'll do a little butterfly effect and just change one little thing and maybe send this thing on a different route. Yeah, that's fascinating, man. So what? how far, I mean, how far do you go as far as like the Tartaria stuff, as far as like this, like occulted, like knowledge and like maybe these like crazy technologies and these like different things, like 
I know some people go a little far with it. And uh, as far as like some of the utopian kind of like ideas, I question because I mean, we're still humans. So I I still have a hard time like believing some of the stuff, but. Well, and the whole thing with Tartaria is, and and you mentioned Emmanuel before, I've done a couple shows with him on, on it because he did a great article called WTF is a Tartarian. And he, he gave his two cents about it and basically said that, you know, these aren't something to look up to. This was Tartarus. This was hell. And, and that this isn't, this is covered up for a reason. And I don't know if that's, that's necessarily true that, that, that Tartar, uh, you know, Tartaria was all evil, but I don't think it was this worldwide civilization with, you know, complete free energy and, and, and this peaceful, you know, like you said before, utopian society. No, I, I don't, I, there's, I haven't seen any evidence of that. Now, do I, mean, I it was still an empire and empires survive, from yeah. like pillaging and taking and yeah i mean there, yeah, there's no I mean, such thing was, as an empire it existed it. right i yeah. mean there was there was a physical landmass there were um empires i mean they had most of russia you know a lot of russia europe mongolia area northern china that was all tartarian land but you know back then i mean you could also called it russia you, you know <laughs> So what's fascinating to me is like, maybe like, cause I totally like, there's no doubt about it. There was uh, an empire called Tartaria, right? There was in greater Tartary, right. And all of that landmass there. But I think that there's a disconnect because when people talk about Tartaria, they're also talking about something like Atlantis. They're also talking about something that stretched all, all over Western Europe. They're talking about like, like these buildings behind you and things like that. And do you think that there's a connection? Do you think those are two separate things? And a lot of times people cram that idea together. Like, I think that there's probably a lot to that. Yeah. Oh, I definitely do. I mean, it's, it's, our history has been so flipped upside down and, and there's been people put in there that are characters. And, and so it's, it's tough to really tell, but, at some point on this realm, there was a there was a free energy. That's for sure. We we know there's free energy because you're, you're starting to see it now. All these different um, ways and methods of free energy that would have been accessible to them. And the way I look at it is, how who's to say that we're the most civilized now? Right. And that's the way we look at everything. We look backwards at them like, oh, they didn't have this. They didn't have that. What if they did? Right. Because, I mean, if you go back to a lot of the even Egyptian monuments, Sumerian times, these gods were carrying bags. Right. What's to say that wasn't a tablet? What's to say that wasn't some electronic device or some, you know, it doesn't even have to be electronic, some ethereal device, energy device that could do things that we can't do today. So, yeah, absolutely, man. I, I think about that too is like because it, to me, I mean, I don't know how Christian you are. I mean, I, I consider myself like a Christ follower, sort of like in like how Emmanuel Kingman talks about it. Um, but I, I, I'm curious where they talk about like uh, the Tower of Babel. And so, like, before then, it was like the world was all connected, we all spoke one language, there was all like one culture. And it, it's fascinating to me because you see these same like monoliths and these big structures and different things that are so similar all over the world. 
right? And like uh, like star forts and these pyramids and all of these like crazy things that, um, that how are they so similar? You know, you know, and in Peru as the same thing in Egypt. And yes, you know, and, and they're credited to Egypt. They're they're credited to the Romans. They're credited to the Greeks, right? And it's almost like those are the only civilizations that had any bearing on this. Uh, planet whatsoever and 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 no you look back and like you're saying it seems like there was a time where all of this was taking place now i i really think this you know we've gone through many changes on this planet so i you know what's to say we're not just uncovering electricity or, or, or electricity technology that they already had yeah, you, know, you look at our it. modern cities, they just look like a motherboard of a computer. So we're just maybe we're just taking things on the macro level now. We're making them just larger than they were before. Um, but if you look back then, even, I mean, you look at the three major pyramids in Egypt, they all line up at, like Orion's belt. Well, you go over to Mexico, the three pyramids, three pyramids over there also align with Orion's belt. Well, then you go over to China, three pyramids over there align with Orion's belt. Well, those are three separate parts of the globe that have the exact same layout. And 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 there's no interconnection whatsoever, you're trying to tell me. I mean, and that's that's where they lose me with with these, yeah. you know, these historians because that's why I feel like people like Graham Hancock and Randall Carlson, who are going, are, are contrarians. You know, they're going against the grain and they're getting shunned by the the mainstream, but they're keeping pushing ahead with facts, and and but they're facts that go against the narrative, and that's where things get dicey, right? Anytime you go against the narrative, against the Smithsonian, against any of these big groups you're going to be shunned. You're going to be, you know, they're going to try and make you look foolish. They're going to try and discredit you any way they can, because that's their only weapon. They can't back their stories with evidence. They back their stories with more stories. Whereas Graham and these guys are coming with evidence, with facts. Yeah, man, it's, it's super fascinating. And it is just funny to me how they just, or not funny, really just how they try to occult all of this. And like you said, I mean, that was probably uh, the big time where they were establishing the narrative was around that 1850 area and those world fairs and things, because like, uh, correct me where I'm wrong, but I, I heard that there was like exhibits where they'd be like, this is an Aborigine. This is a Chinaman. This they is had, a, you know, Nate, they had human. Yeah. Views. Yeah. They, they and so they were telling views. you, this is what an Ottoman is with his scimitar. And he wears this hat, you know, and they were just trying to like. Yeah, they would set up exhibit. They would set up like a zoo. Right. And they and it was little. Um, oh, what was those things? Dioramas. Right. Remember, you make a diorama back in school back in the day. And they had these. It was scenes where they would have these live people. You know. And, and and they always talk down to them, right? The aboriginals, yeah. they were always, you know, less than. And and because one of the things was with these world fairs, and it seemed like they were very racist. They were very yeah. white European oriented. And, and that was what it was. It was bringing in the industrial revolution. It was bringing in this era of European dominance, right? Because now America had been settled by Europeans. You had Europe. They were, they were, colonial all over the world and 
so there must have been a fall. There must have been something that happened that allowed these whatever these people are, these elitists that I, I guess came from Europe that uh, are they gave them the opportunity to rewrite history. I wonder what really happened because like, I, like we hear about the history of like in the 1700s and stuff, but we don't know what the hell actually happened. No, no. And then you get things like the catacombs in France where you just have millions of bones with little to no exp real explanation, right? They yeah, those are all gruesome. And this and that it's bullshit. There was a mass extinction event or events that took place. Now, can, I can't pinpoint it. That's like my great search right now is to find out what caused the last reset, right? What, where, why did the population change so much? And why did all of a sudden it need to be like repot, the earth needed to be repopulated with orphans and, and, and such. And, you know, they opened up America so we could flood this area. So I, yeah, I, I don't know now. What you find is there's the mud flood theory out there, right? Which I don't agree with if you're going to say it was one cataclysmic event that happened worldwide, because there's really no evidence of that other than the biblical flood, right? We can go back to that one. But post-biblical flood, there's no evidence of, of a one event. Now, what we do see, on the other hand, are multiple events. We see things like the Carrington event in the 1870s, which is basically like a giant EMP that hit the earth. Um, you have natural disasters, right? You have massive earthquakes. You have, which which we're learning, these earthquakes are what cause mud floods. Yeah, yeah, there's, that's there's fascinating. I saw those action. videos. Yeah. Yeah, different yeah. like vibrations or like things like that makes the mud turn into a liquid. It'll make the mud turn yeah. to a liquid so you'll have buildings sink. Now, where have you seen a building sunk before? The Leaning Tower of Pisa is the, the number one example that they show to us over and over that they say, oh, it just it was built like that or it sunk like that over time. No, that was part of a mud flood. That, that ground was moving. That thing sunk and is now on an angle. And, and that's what you see. You see the heavy objects sink. And then what you also see is what was buried underneath start to rise. And that's where a lot of stuff is too. We don't know what's under our feet in a lot of areas. <laughs> yeah, I think that's I think that's one of the most tragic things too. Is like how much of like if you look at a map, how much of America is like um, considered like government territory or government like property and things like that. Like how much of those occult like special places are just taken and like, this is our, you know, this is ours. Well, and it's not only, not yeah. only do they do it with the government, they do it with golf courses. That's another mm. one. You, you, you golf courses are a great place to hide different things, especially mounds, right? Mm. The ancient mounds, because what do golf courses always have those hilly terrains and sand traps and all that stuff. That's what, what Michelle Gibson leads you to believe is that a lot of these golf courses are just cover-ups. You know, that's super fascinating. Uh, so w let's go back to San Francisco for a minute. So like you said, it had only been like civilized for about five to 10 years. And then we had all these crazy, beautiful buildings and things like so. I like what you so I listened to your whole series that you did about like Tartaria and different things and how um, and I thought this was a fun concept that some of or maybe uh, like some of the eastern part of Tartaria had gone in through like Alaska and maybe into like 
parts of North America. Do you like how do you think some of those buildings could have been actually Tartarian? Do you think that some of those like I think they're old world for sure. I think yeah. the presence I mean there's the it's funny because what I what I'm starting to lean towards is kind of the uh and Anatoly Fomenko thought on this and that that's his idea is that Tartaria was mainly in Europe but it also went across the land bridge from Russia through Alaska into uh, uh western Canada and and basically stayed either west of the Rockies or west of the Mississippi and I yeah. think initially it was probably the Mississippi that was kind of the barrier. And um, over time, they seeded back towards uh, the other side of the Rockies. But, I mean, the Chinese were building railroads over here. We don't know how long ago. Um, there's, you know, the Russians or Tartarians, whatever you want to say, were over here, I, I believe, beforehand. And that's where yeah. a lot of this was built. And why don't we, I mean, look at a lot of the old maps. That, that area is labeled as like parts unknown yeah, or, you know, uncharted territory. Well, to go back to like the cover up too, I mean, I do think about this a lot. Like what did they do to the Native American kids? Like they would kill their parents and then they would take all of these orphans and then they would put them in these re-education camps and they would occult their language. They would occult their practices. They would they would teach them all your history and your religion. That's all mythology. That's all fake. This is what reality is. This is Jesus. Yep. <laughs> you know, and well, just... and one of the real interesting things is if you look at Meriwether Lewis and you look at the Lewis and Clark expedition in the early 1800s, Meriwether Lewis, there's pages missing from his journal. And supposedly wow. that's his interaction when they found things on the other side of the Rockies. One of the things that's rumored was giants that there was, yeah. there was giants over there. There was all sorts of different things over there that were already living there. And those pages were removed. And interestingly enough, he died by two self-inflicted gunshot wounds. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that seems the MO. Right? That's normal, right? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but yeah, that, I mean, these are the things you see over and over again. And you look at the history of the West, the history of the Western United States was written basically by one man. And his name is H.H. Bancroft. And this guy wrote like something like 60,000 pages in, you know, 20 years. Something yeah. like that. I mean, he so basically and what his story is, he was a small time book dealer in Buffalo, New York. Now, this is interesting because the, these couple cities always turn up Buffalo, Chicago, San Francisco from the 1800s on. These are three major cities. And I think, like we were talking about before, these tie into the old world. These were old world capitals. Um, and and so this guy's an old time book dealer in uh, the mid 1800s. He go, he's told to go to San Francisco in the early 1850s to go sell books. Who's he selling books to? Fucking miners? You know, gold miners are going to go buy these books that he sells. So he, but what the theory is, is he went out there to find books, anything and everything, mm -hmm. collect it all, gather it, and we're going to hoard it and then rewrite our version of it. Yeah. And that's why this guy, so he's written everything from, you know, the states all the way west to native, uh, all the native tribes, everything. I mean, 
this guy has written on everything and he's basically this the sole expert on everything western american history that's crazy man yeah it's <laughs> i hate it <laughs> you know so just and then that's why and that's why i did i do the podcast because i started seeing this right it was like i started seeing all these stories over and over like columbus that was one that slapped me in the face too it was like you know first of all he's not the first guy over here he's not even close to being the first one over here in discover anything there are already people living here so you know and and the whole just nonsense and then we celebrate him with a national holiday when he basically just came over here and started the genocide yeah so. yeah that's a fascinating thing i mean so because i i actually when i was in college i took a lot of native Amer native american history courses and things like that and, and that whole concept and uh man what who wrote that book i can't think of it right now but um the america anyway so uh howard howard zinn i read uh read his book what what the heck is the name of his book do you know what i'm talking about uh the, the something history of the united states yeah it was yeah and just that whole concept of just him landing here and just like yeah celebrating that piece of shit and i see i don't know how much of that is real either right but no. about how he enslaved those islands and had them going for gold and then you know and would chop ears off and do all these terrible things and i and i'm fairly certain that he probably did do those horrific things but there's yeah, rumors he didn't even know. exist yeah there's there's yeah. things that he's a figment in the imagination or that the character that he's portrayed as isn't even him that he's really like portuguese um yeah you know so that i mean but that's what they do and that's what's so frustrating is that we we are indoctrinated with these stories that aren't the real story you know and that's the point of my podcast is to bring some stuff that i'm learning about history and i'm a history guy like you man i'm a history nerd whether it's you know, this history, I was big into sports history as a kid. Um, and I just love the old times and, and learning about how did, you know, how, why things are the way they are. Because like they say, history repeats itself, right? And if you don't learn, you're going to just doom to repeat the same mistakes over and over again. So I figure, hey, if we go back far enough, we got to see where we screwed up and maybe we can fix this. But the more you go back, you're like, shit, what's real? right yeah what's real yeah. we don't know if our our we know our calendar's off we don't know you know what date we're in really because they've manipulated that so many times we could be off by as much as a thousand years according to some people um yeah to me that's so fascinating too i mean thinking about like is human history millions of years old or are we on a very short time? Like, have we only been here for like 2000 years? Like, I have no idea. Like, or maybe the time of like Christ was really like 200 years ago. Yeah. 300 years ago. Like, I don't know how short our, you know, anything is, man. It's just super fascinating. We can't tell, right? It, because what we don't have is a lot of original source material anymore. That's been hoarded by the Vatican that's been destroyed by groups like the Smithsonian, you know, these, these groups that go out there. And if we could get access to the Vatican archives and the Smithsonian archives, we would have a better understanding of what we're on, where we are, when we're, we are, and what's going on here, but they don't want that. 
Yeah, that's a fascinating thing. And then, it, like, let's say I tell all this to a normie, and then they they're on this journey with me, and then they'll just say, "Well, why? Why are they covering it up?" You know, and it doesn't benefit them for us to know because what in reality, when we we know that we are more powerful than we know, but we've been indoctrinated to believe that we have to stay at this level. We can't rise up against the government, right? We can't out, you know, us poor little civilians, we can't bond together and take the, tell these people, no, this isn't how you do it. This is how we want it. We, we've just been, okay, you have choice A or choice B and you have to pick between the two. Well, choice A and choice B are on the same team. You're just picking one or the other so that there's a, 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 a figurehead out there. And that's all it is. You have no real choice when it comes to that. Yeah. I mean, and that's what they do to us. They always give us this, this illusion of choice. Right. And it's always, uh, we get to choose between Coke and Pepsi. A and B. Yep. Red yep. or blue. Right. And that's all it is. It's it's and why it's so that they have something to divide you over because not everybody's going to choose red. Not everybody's going to choose blue and then red and blue are going to be against each other. Well, I think it's brilliant too. I mean, because I, I always, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but this is just my gut. You know, I blame almost every modern, modern problem on the British empire, you know, <laughs> and because you can really trace so much of it back to the British. Oh, they're empire. still in it today. Yeah. Don't let me, oh yeah. Don't let them fool you. They got their hands dangling. They're like the, one of the puppet masters out there. Yeah. Well, and, and I think that it was brilliant because they learned over hundreds of years or however many years, just like perfectly how to divide us. And I think that probably the smartest thing they ever did was when they said, okay, we're going to make the monarchy a figurehead. And really this is your government over here. You have these guys over here. So blame them. And then you can vote for this guy and you can do this guy. And then, but really I think that the monarchy never actually stepped down. I don't think that they ever were really out of power. And, and it, and it's what they had to do here in America is like, like we, I guess maybe learned our lesson and at the time, right. In 1776 or whatever it was like, or whatever year that actually happened, right. Where we had to, we had to realize that if there's just one political party that's in charge or one government, one figurehead, like when people are pissed, like what happened in the French revolution, where there's going to be heads rolling. Right. And so if they can keep us divided and fighting with each other and we can be, Oh, I'm team red, I'm team blue. Then we'll be fighting each other and not looking up at, you know, who's actually in charge. And we can't ever unite as a people to take the government down because we are so divided ourselves. You nailed it. That's it right there. You know, that's, and that's the name of the game, divide and conquer. That's their whole mission because if they can keep us fighting with each other, we don't look up and realize that they're the ones that keep, you know, we're like, we're like the, the, the Roman gladiators. Right. And they just keep dropping yeah. the tiger in there, drop another one in, drop another one in. Okay. You fight this one. All right. We got another one for you. All right. You beat that one. We got another one for you. And it's, it's, it's never ending, you know, and, and as long as they, they can have those two. And, and if you think about it though, it's the only way they live because in essence, mm -hmm. what, what, what have they created? They've created a battery. They've created two poles that are that are energetically charged and they're just the ones in the middle. And if these two poles aren't charged, that middle just falls out. It's useless. It doesn't it has no power anymore. So they need those two sides and, and they do. They've 
brilliantly. Again, you have to give them credit because it's worked. They've found a way to do it, and people just keep asking for more. Yeah, man, it's fascinating. I do think about like what it must have been like, and people have written books about this, but it was like the first time that I decided that I'm the king, and I've convinced enough people that they need to listen to me and that they need to pay some sort of homage to me and that they have to give me some of their grain and then or like taxes and have the civilization and this whole like organization and I'm in charge and I have to convince you that I have the right ideas and I'm doing this for the greater good and things like that. And it was just the biggest scam, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. They're just con artists, you know, and that's what it is. But the other thing too, is they base it on the, the, when you're getting at the real high levels, it's all bloodlines. That's yeah. all it boils down to. It's all how you were, where so you're born from. What is, what do you think it is? Do you think that there's actually something unique to them? Because I know that a lot of them. Yeah. Like, I think they're the, line, they're the line of Cain. Okay. That's fascinating. Yeah. Because a lot of them do like to tie themselves back to like, like I've heard that lots of them like to tie themselves back to even Nephilim and things like Mm -hmm. that, that they have these angelic bloodlines and things. And yeah, I I think think they all go back to the line of Cain, you know, because in essence, I think there was three lines, right? You had, you had the line of Seth, you had the line of Cain and, and, and so I don't know. Can you, uh, it's a tough one, man. Because they, it's definitely based on bloodline, though. Because there's there's a reason why they keep it, quote unquote, in the family, right? They they did just you look at the royals. I mean, even you laugh because everybody's like, oh, it's so amazing that he chose Meghan Merkel. She's royalty. What people yeah. don't realize, her family's royalty. So he's her like, cousin. Yeah, none of this stuff <laughs> happens. And and why do you get things like the Habsburg jaw? Right. Because they inbred so much, they started creating these birth defects. So to think these people are better than us is comical because most of them are literally retarded because of the inbreeding. Yeah, absolutely. And those are the ones that you never hear about. Those are the ones that stay in the closet. That's Prince Andrew. Yeah. You know? (laughs) Yeah. Dude, he's pretty bad. He's retarded. It's pretty bad. He's yeah. A retard. Yeah. He's he's gotta have like Asperger's <laughs> or something, just running around, finger blasting anything that he can and sweating all over chicks. It's like, come on, man. And then then to claim, oh, you know, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. No. I don't have I don't even have sweat glands. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's great, man. But that's yeah, there and that's where if we if we can see the end of the monarchy. That'll be a beautiful thing because things will change when that monarchy comes crashing down. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Yeah. No kings. Well, for myself, I say no king but Christ. But although, although yeah. kings, some would argue kings are better than presidents. Well, yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, that that all goes back to, I mean, I love uh and why can't I think of his name right now? My brain's not going to work. But there, there was that book, uh, Democracy, the God that Failed. Have you ever read yes. that? Uh, Hans Hermann Hoppe. Yeah, that whole concept. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that is super fascinating. And I do think that he's definitely right about that. that he's got points. probably, yeah, yeah, monarchy is definitely preferable than democracy. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, because we're not direct democracy, democracy either. Yeah. That's the yeah. other thing. You know, it's like we want a republic. That's what we want. We don't want a democracy because democracy. Dude, just rule, God rule forbid we had a democracy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like it, half the country is absolutely out of their fucking mind. And, well, and, and so is the other half, just that. in a different way. Yeah. It just know? takes 51% in a democracy. Yeah. That's all it takes. It's majority rule. It's not, it's not, 
you know, equality. It's just, it's a different, it's wrapped in a different box. Absolutely, brother. <laughs> well, Matt, thank you so much for coming on, man. I really appreciate you. This was a fucking fascinating conversation. We're going to have to do it again. Uh, I've got like a million more questions for you, dude. Uh, thanks, brother. Do you want to tell my audience one more time where they can find all you? And you have a Patreon too. So all my listeners need to go and subscribe to your Patreon. Yeah, I just started a Patreon. You can find all my stuff on uh, – go to my Instagram page at The Great Deception Podcast, and you have to type in The Great Deception and get to the at least the P before I'll pop up. Um, but put great The Great Deception Podcast in there, and I have a link tree in my bio. has a link to everything. Um, I have a YouTube channel. I have uh, – yeah, like I said, I just started a Patreon where I put all the uh, the video of the Monday Night Master Debaters is up there for any tier that you're in. So uh, I got a three, five, and eight dollar tier. So any donation is greatly appreciated, guys. Uh, like Nate said, uh, these episodes take a lot of time and a lot of materials. So it's not something I just whip up out of nowhere. Each one of my episodes is probably a good forty to fifty hours um, for one show. So. Damn, it's, brother. Yeah. It's worth it though, you know, to get out, get out the material. I want to get it out in like a, you know, kind of a professional manner so I can, you know, have some credibility behind it. So eventually one day, you know, my son can listen to this stuff and not think I was as crazy as his mom says. <laughs> yeah. See, I have the opposite problem. I, I get smarter people to come on and I usually am just talking shit. So uh, I appreciate what you do because you're, I mean, you can really tell the difference, man. You fucking put in a lot of work and I fucking love your show. And thank you so much, man. Oh, I appreciate it, Nate. Thanks for having me, man. All right, brother. I'm going to hit the outro and hang on for a second. I'll chat with you for a second.